Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, everybody? We're having some definitely some technical difficulties here on the uh, CUSA Hoopscast. Dave, are you on the line with me, man? Man, it wouldn't be the Hoopscast without a couple screw-ups right off the bat, man. That's that's what we say over there on the Rush Podcast. I had a crazy situation for some reason for the past 20 minutes. My computer just wanted to stay in airplane mode. Like, it did not want to connect to any Internet. So when I get it off airplane mode, all of a sudden my uh, Wi-Fi, my home Wi-Fi AT&T thing isn't picking up. So I'm old school. I'm running an Ethernet cord to my computer. But either way, we are back. A wild start to the show and a, and a wild weekend to review uh, some Conference USA basketball. Dave, uh, what's going on, man? What's going on, bro? Let's shoot the shit a little bit before we get going. What's going on, man? I'm feeling pretty good, man. I'll be completely honest with you. I think about six hours ago was the first time I completely sobered up since uh, the game ended on Saturday. And uh, given that game was over at like five central time, that's, uh, that was a quite the bender, that emotional bender, if nothing else, that I went on the past couple of days, man. Like, like it went like UAB Twitter and like UAB Facebook like went zero dark 30. Like everyone's just like, Let's take a couple of days, let's back up, and let's get back at home. You know, we're finishing with mostly home home games here on the, at the end stretch here. Uh, so I'm feeling a, a little better about it now, man, but that was a rocky couple of days. No doubt about it. We'll definitely get into that. Got some other topics around the league that we're going to look at. De- definitely some injury news and some teams kind of teetering. Either they're going high, they're going low. But let's start here. Let's just look at the standings overall. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, the last maybe even the last show of the past couple of shows, we're talking about, oh, it's, everything's starting to form. You know, teams that we expected are, are starting to take, you know, that stride forward. The standings are starting to look out. The top four teams are, are really looking legit. And then last week happens. <laughs> Marshall falls again. UAB and yep. Middle Tennessee drop one this week. I mean, what – what do you make of this? And we talked about this at the beginning of the year in terms of beating up on, on each other in league play. And we kind of talked about how that would look perception-wise to the league. Well, let's throw that out. This is a one-bid league, in my opinion. I'll, I'll definitely want to get your opinion on that, Dave. But this is a one-big this is, this is one league. And, and and now it's time for these teams to really just kind of do, in a sense, what UTEP is doing, soul-searching, identity-searching, and setting yourself up for the tournament. But what, what do you make of the standing shift, I guess you can say, over the past week? I think it's a lot like what happened last year with UAB. I mean, UAB filled it up uh, with, like, three or four games left to play. And so I think what, it is, what you're seeing right now is just everyone's playing for that, you know, the three to – Excuse me, the two, three, and four seed. You know, got a bunch of teams jockeying for that because I just middle's got a tough road ahead. Don't get me wrong; they still have some formidable teams coming up with uh, ODU and Charlotte at home, and they still have to go on the road to WKU and Marshall, and they have to go to UAB. But with that being said, I just don't see them. You know, they have four games at home and three games away to finish up. I just don't see them losing their home games. So it, with that, you know, being two and a half games up on La Tech, I mean, just, I just don't see anybody who's going to catch up with these guys. So that brings us back to UTEP, UAB, ODU, La Tech. I mean, it is, it, it's like it is every year, and that's what's fun, man. That's almost like the most fun part about conference standings 
is what's going to happen all in the middle, all the jockeying. Um, and that's how it was last year. It came down to the last game. There was a bunch of ties and, and tiebreakers and things like that. But, um, I mean, who's got the momentum? I mean, UTEP's going up. I think UAB's kind of, you know, even though they lost two, I think they're kind of staying stagnant. But I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen to ODU and La Tech. Now they've got kind of worked their way up to the top. You know, what's going to happen with them? They've got to take some road games. I mean, ODU's got to go to UAB in middle. They could be way below UTEP after this weekend. So what do you think? You know, you got. It seems like everybody is everybody outside of Southern Miss and maybe Florida Atlantic, but everybody's mathematically eligible for the top four seeds, and it's really going to come down to, you know, like you said, winning on the road, taking care of home business for road teams, going out there and, and taking care of business. And you know, a team that 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 you didn't mention that I was kind of surprised, and, we, and you know, we were kind of riding. You know, we were the, the forefront of, of of their fan club, if you say. Rice, you know, I still think Rice is a team that that can get hot towards the end of the year. Now, right now, obviously, we know kind of we, what teams have sort of figured them out defensively and how to defend them. But that's still the team. If you get if you get guys like Igor going off, Marcus Jackson, you know, we all know how great he is. Or Marcus Evans and Marcus Jackson, you know, this that's another team. You know, that that can really run a you know, make a run. Western Kentucky, they're, they're kind of in that same boat. You know, every team seems to have a collective group of quote-unquote stars that on any given night or any given, any given weekend, they can kind of go off. And do you see kind of right being able to recover from a tough midseason stretch and being able to kind of finish strong in these last eight games? Or nine games or yeah, five, I do. Yeah, I, I do. They, 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 they pretty much played the toughest part of their schedule uh, in the beginning. And that was one of the quietest little weekend or two-game winning streaks. That and FAU – both, um, both, and FAU's won three in a row, but uh, Rice won two in a row, one on the road and one at home against Charlotte. And nobody really talked about it because there was so much drama at, in San Antonio and El Paso. It kind of stole the spotlight. So we got a couple of these teams, and, and then I think Rice is the one to watch because I went back and looked. I didn't catch either of those games. But I think what their catalyst right now, and it's not the, the big three of Igor and Marcus and Marcus, is uh, Marquez Letcher-Ellis. I mean, he's not busting up mm-hmm. the stat sheet, but he's back in the starting lineup. And I think that's what they needed. They needed a little bit of shake-up. They needed to play a couple teams that, were, you know, that weren't UAB in middle and lot tech. They needed, to, they needed to get out there and play some of the middle-of-the-pack teams, and they're kind of getting their legs underneath them again. I mean, heck, I'm going to watch out for them. They're, they're, like you said, everybody's mathematically, mathematically still eligible for a top you know, two, three, four seed. And that's crazy, man. I don't even. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it was like that last year. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is this is getting pretty darn crazy. Like it's going to get real competitive here. So we. we, we uh, and I'm psyched to watch it, man. But but um, did you did you realize FAU went on a three game win streak? Like when we weren't paying attention. And let, and let's talk about that. Let's move on. And and, and really, I kind of put a, a a headline for Old Dominion, and we can start with Old Dominion. Uh, you know, blowing that, that late lead that they had with 245 left in the game, a seven-point lead, and FAU closed the game on a 15-4 run. You know, Old Dominion, like you mentioned, they kind of crept their way up the standings. But does that loss for where Old Dominion crept up, is that kind of – and we've talked about them kind of extensively over the past couple of weeks. Is that a red flag for them? Or is that a case of FAU actually has guys that can knock down shots and they can be a scary team, particularly on the road if they're hitting shots like that? I think it's more of the latter, honestly. Uh, FAU did exactly what they did to Ohio State to win that game. 
they got really hot in the last 10 minutes. And it wasn't just behind the arc. They did hit 10 three-pointers. But what they also did was they shot a lot of free throws late. Uh, Rutherford hit like eight free throws in a row at one point. And they scored 34 points in the final 10 minutes, man. Like, Louisville didn't, like, break 34 against ODU until, like, late in the game when they, you know, months back. That was, like, just a levy broke, and FAU just, just found some shots. And, um, but, no, but I don't, I don't think it's, it, it's an indicator for, like, ODU, you know, going to start, you know, losing some games and not have, not any, not have success. Because Brandon Stith is still trying to work back in the starting lineup. He only played 21 minutes. And as he gets more healthy, I think they're going to become more dangerous. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you get to this neutral site tournament in Birmingham, quote-unquote, uh, it seems like ODU are the ones that always stick around because they bring the defense in. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not betting on FAU to keep it up because, I mean, you know what happened when I started talking, you know, giving them all this love back in December. They went and shit on me the first part of the conference play. So, I'm not, I'm not getting on the FAU boat anytime soon, so. But nonetheless, it was an amazing last 10 minutes, man. 34 points, that's crazy. And, and FAU, I mean, that's a team that the guys are just so inconsistent. You talk, we're texting about how, you know, G. Troutman just kind of can go off in the corner. And if that's not there for them, you know, that's, to me, that's a big part of FAU's offense. And that's not something that you're going to rely on to be able to make that type of run, but definitely something that, to keep your eye on with both Old Dominion and FAU. Now, the team that really – has hit a wall, and, you know, personally, you look in at these last three games, and we're talking about Marshall, you know, they lost to, to UTEP, Southern Miss, and then La Tech in Southern Miss last weekend, allowed 90 points in each game. Second half of those games, going back to the UTEP game, the herders, it's just, it's just, I don't know if, if it's a case of living, dying by the three, and right now, they're living on life support with the three. We can even go back to how you, we talked about last week about Chris Duhon being that hands-on guy. Now he's not there. Maybe there's a new voice in practice. Something is going on with this Marshall team. And I have to believe, looking at it from El Paso, Texas, looking at Huntington, West Virginia, looking at what I just stated, it could be something internal. You know, and then on the other hand, it could be, you know what, the style, it just if you do not, and they have the volume of shooters, they have the depth of shooters, but you were just not seeing this second half production like we're used to from a Marshall team to be able to, to, to follow up a solid first half and to be able to put a team away. And am I looking a little bit too far in terms of their internal issues, or is this just a case where Marshall just may be not that good like we thought coming into conference play? I, I think it's kind of the latter. I think it, this is what, you, what you're seeing right now is what Marshall's capable of, when, especially when they lose confidence. They, they're a type of team that goes on runs and can get hot. They're streaky. And uh, NBA. You, you saw that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You saw that when they played Cincinnati and hit 15 first half threes. And they're, just, they're going through a lull right now. They're in a low point. And the, the problem is they've got a really, really tough finish to their season. They got UAB Middle, ODU, Charlotte, Wright, all in a row, dude. In Western, that's a murderer's row <laughs> of games. That, I mean, granted, you know, majority of those are at home, where a lot of them are. But um, I, I think they're going to be about a 500 team at the end. I really do. I think you've seen what they're capable of. Uh, they've got everybody healthy. Terrence Thompson's 100%. C.J. Burke's 100%. Those are guys that weren't healthy. It's almost like once they got back into the lineup, it all, it's almost like it's messed up the ebb and flow that where Elmore and Browning aren't, you know, doing, you know, carrying the bulk load. Maybe that's part of the problem. 
But it'll be interesting to watch what they do um, in, the, in, the, in the next week, especially when they go to Western. They have a whole week off, and they have to go to Western this, um, this Saturday. And if they win that game, heck, anything's possible. But, um, I mean, they're going to be really amped up when they, take, they bring UAB in middle uh, to uh, Huntington in a couple weeks. So let's, 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 let's keep an eye on that. But um, as you said, I mean, I, I, I think we may just be seeing a little bit of their identity, what it really is, you know, towards the, you know the, the last third of the, of the of the season. No doubt about it. Definitely a team that you really, really want to keep your eye on, just because of, of like you said, they came in red hot in, in in conference play and definitely have hit kind of hit that that wall, if you will. But moving on to the team that turned heads last week, yes, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. No, dog. <laughs> the UTEP miners, man. Wow, what a transition, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, we, we, when we started this podcast, I'm pretty much shooting bricks on Tim Foy every breath yeah. that comes out talking about UTEP. And, I mean, the guy has found a way, man. And, and, and it's, God would never – I would never have thought that it would be a zone defense, a point zone defense implemented by assistant coach Bobby Braswell that has just turned this team around. You know, it, yes, Matt Wilms being healthy has, has helped. Paul Thomas' yes, development is great. UTEP's guard play. But defensively, this, you, this is crazy, bro. This is the craziest fucking stat I have ever seen. In the past three games, guess how many fast break points UTEP has allowed combined? I heard that. I mean, I read that. It was zero, wasn't it? Zero, bro. Zero. No, that is a big key. That is kind of what was an Achilles heel of this team, and, and particularly the last eight to six minutes of games. Now, they, they weren't getting obliviated early on in the year. These were games where it came down to the last ten minutes, and the Miners just couldn't stop nobody whether it was a fast break, whether it was a set offense, whether it was pick and roll. But this point zone, and just kind of explain it a little bit, it's, it, it's, a, it's a mixture of a 1-3-1 one, one and a man. You're going to have one man at the top that's guarding the ball, and you're going to have a helper kind of behind you. So you're, the man that's guarding the ball is yelling out point. And basically the guy behind you is your help. So, number one, you're not going to get beat off the dribble. Number two, you're not going to get caught on a pick and roll because essentially everybody's quote-unquote switching. And then not only that, but Matt Wilms, if everything is executed, Matt Wilms on the back end has just been a shot. I don't want to call him a destroyer, but a shot effector. And that has really, really changed UTEP around. And it's the zone where rebounding, you're blocking out a man instead of a spot. And that has really, really helped UTEP. And all year long, UTEP has been getting great guard play from Dominic Artis and Omega Harris. And now when you're getting the defense with the big men production, rebounding, now guard play is able to win you games. Omega Harris is able to get down in the paint and win games. And what, just what an effort against Middle Tennessee. Down 17, 14 minutes to go, Floyd goes man, and the game changes. And it's just, it's just crazy to see. Did you get to catch anything of that Middle Tennessee game on Saturday day when you were talking about UTEP? I watched the highlights of it, yeah, but honestly, I didn't get to see most of it because I wasn't at home. But to, to to talk about that game, and I want to hear this from you. I remember when, we, when, like during our game, I don't recall us ever even getting a dunk or even getting like an attempt no. at making a dunk because Wilms is just you just give up, and and that's the thing about middle too. Middle's kind of similar to UAB where their power forwards are just not quite tall enough to really want to get in there and screw with a guy like Wilms if he's really, you know, set. They're like, eh, I don't want to get in there and play that game. 
Um, so did Ja'Cory Williams, was the way that he got his shots, I mean, was he in there banging? I know, I know Williams had four yeah. fouls, but, or was he kind of getting out there and getting jump shots? Yeah, and see, and that's kind of the difference. That's a great point you made because UAB, Tosin Mahenny was, what, 4-4, four four, and he was settling for little pop shots, little jumpers all around inside. Ja'Cory Williams was going after Matt Wilms, and there was even a couple of sequences there where that point zone was getting shredded in a sense where Wilms was kind of by himself, and Wilms, as good as a defender he can be, but when he's one-on-one in the post with Ja'Cory Williams and the head full of team, I'm sorry, but that's an 80% edge to Ja'Cory Williams, and that's where Ja'Cory Williams was eating, and what a talent he is. As a matter of fact, you know, just that left hand, just that, that touch that he has in the post, whether it's coming off the backboard, it's, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch, you know what I mean? And that's, that's really what it was. Is Hermit was able to kind of dictate that and to get and to isolate Matt one-on-one. But like you mentioned, the UAB, they kind of realized, look, no matter if we're isolated, we don't want to go up against, against Matt Williams. And that was kind of the difference in terms of why, you know, Middle Tennessee was able to kind of stretch the lead in a sense compared to where UAB was just kind of hanging with UTEP and wasn't able to stretch that lead. But, I mean, just, just, just a great resurgence from this UTEP team. I mean, when they were 2-13, and 13, I thought there was no way in hell this team's winning six games. I mean, much less. But, but I still predicted then that they would beat either Middle Tennessee or, or UAB. Let's get that straight. You <laughs> it just happened. You, you beat them both. Basketball, you, know? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Like, I, I'm sitting here looking at the quarter-by-quarter breakdown. You, you guys had 16 points in the first half, and you had just had 19 points in the first half against UAB. When you saw that you had 16 points against Middle, I mean, at a halftime, like, what, what was your honest feeling of the game at halftime? I thought that – I honestly thought legitimately, I thought, you know what, this is where UTEP kind of wants to be because there was a point in that game when UTEP was 5 of 13 from the field and they were in a three-minute scoring drought and they were still down five. So like it wow. wasn't like it wasn't so much of Middle Tennessee really dominated. Utah did get some good looks that were 0 of seven from three point land, but in both games this weekend, a 41 piece against uh, Middle Tennessee and then a 44 piece against UAB on Thursday. I mean, th- to me, that is guard play. That is all 100 percent guard play with guys like obviously Omega Harris stepped up huge Thursday night at the 19 piece in the second half. But in this game on Saturday, it was Dominic Artis in the open floor. Not only that, UTEP forced 19 turnovers. And we, we, we talked about how well Middle Tennessee has been able to take care of the basketball. And, and we, we applauded Tyreek Dixon, who, by the way, Tyreek Dixon looks like a damn carbon copy of uh, Delonte West. I don't know if he's ever said that on the show. He does. He, but really he is does. Delonte West. 2.0, but UTEP totally. was able to frustrate middle. They, they extended their pressure out with oh, with the Harris, with uh, Artis, and Artis got four steals, and he completed open field, open floor chances, and that was huge for the Miners, and definitely something to keep an eye on because now UTEP has a little bit of a formidable core there. Um, now, they're still lacking depth. They're still lacking, you know, the consistent shooting from Jake Flaggard and Trey Touchette, but I got to tell you, you know, I, I think that this turnaround is, is nice. It's not complete, in my opinion, until UTEP, you know, cuts down the nets in Birmingham, which is definitely far-fetched, but you get what I'm trying to say in terms of expectations. Uh, but it's wide open. I mean, it is just wide open, this, this Conference USA race, and crazy to think that UTEP's kind of in the middle of that as well. So I could talk about UTEP all night long. This is a day to talk about UAB. But let's talk about UAB before, before we kind of move on to these two news hits. We've got some injury news to talk about. But UAB, you know, it just 
to me, you know, it's crazy fun fact too. I didn't know. I, I totally slipped my mind that that Rob, the Rob father was an assistant at Maryland, and he recruited one of my high school rivals here in El Paso that actually went to Maryland. He was there front row. Coach Rob got him seats. But I saw, yeah, I saw that. Our fans. Are our fans getting annoyed with him? Like I felt like he really, really got out coached. Like I don't, I don't think there was a lack of effort from UAB. I just thought he had no answer for what UTEP was trying to do, and I'm thinking, God, that'd be kind of annoying. Only the fact because this UAB team seems loaded. Is that or UAB fans? Like you said, everybody was kind of subdued and chilled. And I mean, the the fact of the matter is, Dave, the conference tournament does run through you guys. Yeah. Well, this is the thing about it is. I use the word loaded for months and months and months in terms of our roster. And I think the better word, to, the better way to describe UAB right now uh, with the way you know, they've had to be without Nick Norton, we have just enough pretty darn good basketball players to not really play that well together. <laughs> like, you just don't know who you're going to get every night. You're going to get a William Lee True. one night. You're going to get – heck, Dirk Williams showed up for the first time in a month. And what that does is – we have enough timid guys that are good, like William Lee, Chris Coakley, um, Dion Lavender. Th- those guys will give up their shot if they think somebody's getting hot, and especially when you get into positions where you're behind on the road. There's just not a, there's not an alpha on the team, and I don't know if, if I'm trying to say Nick Norton is. It can be the alpha, but Nick Norton can pass people and position people into giving the confidence to be the alpha. He knows how to take, take advantage of situations. And at the end of the day, it was uh, that, that we got out schemed in both games. Uh, UTEP, had, you know, primarily, uh, we just we just got timid. I mean, and, and, and understandably so. Matt Williams, Matt Williams was a force in the paint, and even Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas on like a weak side, he just seemed to close out anytime anybody got close. And um, and that's that's just good coaching. And Flagger too, he he played much better. That's probably one of the better games I've seen him play. And, and you know, we'll yeah, him a long time. He, he that, that's just an effort player. A lot of his stuff doesn't come up on the stat sheet, but he just gets his nose in games, man. But um, forty four career I'm not, charges. I'm not a forty four career charges. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he, 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 he's a guy you want on your team. It's an effort, dude. But just collectively speaking, between those two games, I was disappointed because I saw a lot of the same stuff in both games. I saw where we just just got passive. You know. Guys would turn down open shots. Everybody's looking for the perfect shot. And that just goes we're down to a point guard who can make you take a good shot. And that's what Dominic Gardis does well. That's what um, the best point guards in the conference do and the best point guards in the country. They make everyone be- around them better. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what we're going to get. Now, we're going to be good at home. We got five games of the, uh, of the final uh, – uh, five games of the final seven are at home. So, I mean – Hey, if we follow suit, we're going on a 5-2 run to finish here. We haven't lost a conference game since 2014. So, I mean, we play really well at home. We can kind of mask a lot of our deficiencies at home. But, man, it, it's, it's, it, we just kind of go back to our old ways, especially when we get up to coaches that – you know, think about it is Steve Henson may not be – he may be a first-year coach, but he – under Lon, Lon Kruger, I mean, he's got – just he's, he's probably got a little book of just like how to beat teams when you're not as good as teams, like little secret plays. Like they seem just as well. I think I felt like they stayed up all night on Friday night and watched the UTEP game because they implemented a lot of the same type of zone, you know, swapping up man to man. But I mean, there was so many walk-ons and like no offense to UTSA, but there was so many scrubs that had like wide open dunks, you know, fast break uh, layups, you know, just 
man, it was it was as bad as I've ever seen us play with with the talent that we have on the floor. So that's my rant is over. But no, people aren't people aren't upset with Rob. People like people that are actually no basketball aren't upset with him, and they're gonna be fine. They're gonna get back home. But if they lose a couple games at home, it might get a little weird. Yeah, from what you were describing uh, the UTSA game, I would have gotten hammered too, my man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So moving oh, on to some news bits here. Un- unfortunate news bits, and I hate talking about injuries, but it is a big part of the game. And I think at least one of this in- one of these injuries is going to play some sort of a role in the conference tournament. You're looking at Southern Miss. Kahari Price is done for the year, unfortunately. Broke his hand against Charlotte on January 14th. Remember, he only played five games this year. This is a guy that, that Doc Sadler talked about at the beginning of the year, that this team could have a different dynamic once he returned. And you saw it a little bit. But now they shut him down. Uh, to quote uh, Sadler from the Hardy's, Hattiesburg American, I'm just disappointed for Kahari. Uh, Sadler said he put in a lot of work to get back, and it's not his knee this time. It or it's it's not his knee; it's his hand this time. So definitely tough for them because I felt with, with, you know with a guy like Kahari Price, a quarterfinal matchup against Middle Tennessee, a quarterfinal matchup against UAB, a quarterfinal matchup against Old Dominion. Or Marshall would be like, oh, shit, you put those teams on, on, on that upset watch. But now I just think, yeah. you know, Southern Miss is just going to have to get it while they live. They're going to rely on Cortez Edwards and Kevin Holland in the backcourt. And then you also, the guy that I really like has been out with them, for them for a while, big man Tim Rowe. You know, somehow, some way, Doc fights, he scraps, his teams defend, they play hard. But without Kari Price, I think this team is definitely looking for an early exit in Birmingham, man. What you think? Yeah, I think about the same, and and I, and I feel for Kari Price because he did get back from that knee, and then he has a freak hand, you know, handbrake. That's just bad luck, man. And and, and well, the thing about it is, he's a senior, and he's and he's going to be leaving, and they they're going to have to figure out next year without him anyway. So it's going to give some younger guys some opportunities. They're still going to have a lot of turnover because Doc Sadler's still rebuilding after the, the NCAA trouble. They're still going to fill a lot of spots, but they'll get two or three guys. Uh, may get five to ten minutes more a game than they usually would, and, and that'll ultimately be good for Southern Miss. But um, I, I'm, I'm impressed what they did to Marshall. I mean, Kari Price went in that game, and they went out there and dropped over 90 points. It just shows you uh, the way Marshall is. They, they give everyone so many possessions because they face play so fast. And if you can defend just well enough, and Southern Miss can do that at times, you can put up some serious numbers against Marshall. But um, and, and and that's all the credit to Doc Sadler. He gets those kids to defend. It's gonna be hard for him to beat teams like Middle, Old Dominion, and and uh, and uh, UAB and UCSA because they just don't have the front line for it. But they they have enough effort and energy on the right night, maybe at home on our neutral court. That I still think they may be able to give someone a little bit of trouble. But they definitely have their backs against the wall now that Kari's out. Another injury, and this one's just, I mean, super unfortunate. And North Texas fans, you know what? Hit me up. I'll buy you a beer. I'll slang you a joint. I'll give you a pill. <laughs> Whatever you need to, because this year has just been <laughs> shit. And, and uh, yes, I'm about to go on a, 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 a little a little, a little rant here about my boy, you know, Tony Benford. But this, to me, and, and, and you know, it, you know, Keith Frazier is definitely going to be out. He's out with an injury. He's done for the season. And, and you know, but that's unfortunate. But, you know, this is, to me, not the injury, but, you know, just another product of, of the failure that is that North Texas head coach. You know, Keith Frazier wasn't a saint. 
You know, he had two incidents, you know, since coming here. And, and, you know, I don't wish no ill harm on nobody. But, you know what, and this is probably controversial to say, but, you know, hey, karma, karma, man. You know, in, in terms yep. of Keith Frazier, that's unfortunate. That was, that was a guy that I really felt that was why I was high on North Texas coming into the season because Keith Frazier. I mean, a former McDonald's All-American. I mean, a guy that just really was talented and kind of added that missing dynamic to their team. And now, you know, really Tony Benford needs to find himself a, a realtor, somebody to sell his crib because, I mean, he's done. He, he I mean, they're done. You know, I, you know they, they had a nice little game from their freshman. He got freshman of the week, posted 31 points against Rice. You know, he was 10 or 15 from the field. Uh, you know, but this it just adds insult to injury to what has been a forgettable year in the beautiful super pit. Uh, that's, that's what pisses me off more than anything right there, man. The super pit is such a cool place. It, it can be a really good oh. arena. And they were, and they, yeah, they were good before they came into the USA. They had some really good years in the Sun Belt there, but this is, man, this is embarrassing. This isn't like Southern Miss. I, I always give Southern Miss a pass when we talk on here yeah. because I feel like doc is at least getting effort out of this guy. Yeah, yeah, dude. Don Tittle's man, exactly. I'm so glad the NCAA upheld his show clause crap. I think it's like five or ten years or some shit like that. But man, he needs yeah. to stay his ass outside of college basketball. He needs to go do pro wrestling or amateur wrestling calling that he. I think he was doing <laughs> last year. He's trash, man. It's not worth it for a program in the long haul. But Benford's out, dog. Like I've already got insider dudes at North Texas and Denton, like you know, DM and me telling me they got guys that they're already potentially thinking about interviewing. They need to get somebody in there. You know what? This is going to sound bad, but they need a, a young white coach like Rob Eason or Conkle, someone in there who is a, just a basketball nerd and loves, you know, playbooks and scheming. And they need to get in there and just, and just outwork some people next year because they're going to have huge roster turnover again. And, hell, I don't yeah. think Jeremy Combs is going to play for them again, man. I think he's going to graduate. He's going to peace out. And yeah, yeah, dude. So that 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 program's a wreck, at least for another one or two years, and that sucks because they could be good, and um, they should have been good. People expected them to be good when they came in into um, into uh, the conference USA. But hell, who knows? Yeah. Hey, maybe maybe the LSU coach that used to coach for them, maybe he'll come back. He's gonna get his ass fired by LSU too. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I just I see so much potential with North Texas basketball program, with the Super Pit, with that Dallas-Fort Worth area. There's so many damn recruits there. It's ridiculous, man, and it's just unfortunate that there's just there, there's a lot of untapped potential. I just really think North Texas is one of those basketball jobs that's kind of hidden, you know, from the national spotlight. But if you can get that thing rolling, North Texas fans will, will, will show up. Yeah. I know that for a fact. So sorry, North Texas fan, we had to shit on your program a little bit. I promise <laughs> if we ever do another podcast and we mention North Texas, which we probably won't mention North Texas the rest of the year, unfortunately. But I'm going to definitely talk about them. And I'm, I want my guy. It looks like Tim Floyd's coming back. Well, it looks like Tim Floyd's coming back. So I'm going to vouch for my oh, guy, Kamani no. Young. Kamani Young out of, out of Minnesota, former UTEP minor, one of the top assistants, uh, one of the Patinos' uh, number one assistant. It just pulled in a four-star and a three-star guy to Minnesota. So I'm going to vouch for him to go to North Texas. But so like anything that. That I, did I leave? Do, <laughs> did we leave out anything from this past week before we move on? Anything you wanted to touch on? Anything that we kind of skipped over? I think we got got a good gist of what happened last, last week and coming into a very interesting week this week. Yeah, I think we covered it well. I mean, you're going to see uh, a couple teams that had a uh, a light slate, I guess you could say, uh, to start off the yeah. first you know eight to ten games. You're going to see some of them come back to earth, and you're going to see some teams like maybe UAB and a couple others 
who are, have a, a home-heavy load at the end. Uh, and UTEP being one, too. I mean, UTEP's got – like they're halfway through a four-game four home swing. I think you're going to – I think you're going to see the cream rise right now. And I think some of the cream is going to be just athletic players like UAB kind of bring them to the top. And then I think you're going to see the good coaches uh, rise to the top with UTEP and LaTeX and teams like that. I think they're going to maintain. Um, I, I'm psyched, man. It's, I'm, I'm ready to get back home. <laughs> I'm ready to have some home games. And, <laughs> and uh, I don't like sending my boys out to Texas. Y'all are some mean guys out there, man. You don't treat us right. Nah, nah, not at all. You tend to <laughs> tend to leave El Paso Airport with a big fat L in your lap. <laughs> yep. So looking at yep. uh, looking ahead to Thursday slate, one game just slaps me in the damn face, and that is Middle Tennessee and Old Dominion. Middle Tennessee haven't lost in about a month, haven't really been challenged in probably about the same time period, and now you get an Old Dominion team that can match up with them in the front court. And it's, to me, it's going to come down to guard play. That's going to be a 7 o'clock central time on BN. Give me some thoughts on that game, Dave. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be kill, uh, knocking off two heads off that three-headed monster. That, that, that's the, uh, the blueprint that you guys showed. You get two of those guys out and make one of them beat you, you can beat Middle Tennessee. And, it, it, heck, it, it can beat Ja'Cory Williams because it's, it's the giddy, it's giddy pot if you don't want to get hot. Because Giddy Pot, he yeah. get, he, it's the three-pointers, man. It's hard to swap threes for two. And that gets that team so lit and so psyched when he hits those threes. They'll start getting breakaway dunks off steals. So, I mean, if you're going to cut anybody's heads off, it needs to be uh, Upshaw and uh, Potts. And I think they're going to have a hell of a time guarding Potts off screens because they just don't have the guards to keep up with them. But they could really give uh, Ja'Cory and Upshaw trouble because, you know, we've talked about it many times, ODU's got that deep – front court of six eight and six nine players that are all just athletic enough, you know, have enough fouls to give that they're gonna give you're gonna give everybody hell for most of the night, uh most front courts. So I think that's definitely the the game of Thursday. Charlotte UAB could be a game, but I think it's gonna be a lot like, I like that. When Marshall went yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot like when Marshall got the UAB. I think UAB is gonna be pissed off, you know, I think I think they they're a little bit mad and they're gonna make Charlotte you know beat them in the, beat them with their interior which they don't have so I, I think UAB is gonna play some really tough defense gonna throw, keep them off the three point line and um, you know John Davis may be the big big difference there how we guard him with Hakeem Baxter so it, that's probably your second best game to watch but but I mean you gotta mention still though I say second best I mean UTEP and La, and La Tech I mean that's still a hell of a game you know this. Y'all get them back-to-back. Y'all played them twice there last year, and the second of the two was in El Paso. So you get them two trips in a row now. Yeah, and then kind of going back to that UAB-Charlotte game, I totally agree with you. I like that matchup, but I think UAB's defense is, is just going to really, really just, just wear down on Charlotte. And I'd, I'd be surprised if Charlotte hits the gets, gets into the 60s, honestly. I mean, UAB is going to be pissed off. You. Can't disagree with you at all what you say about that one. But, yeah, UTEP-Louisiana Tech, this is a game I'm pretty sure the Miners are, are in preparation this week, going over film. Felt like they probably should have won that game, that first game against Louisiana Tech. I mean, they really, really – Louisiana Tech, you're talking about a team that is so talented, and UTEP was during – that was UTEP's shit streak there. And you can yep. tell you, La Tech was not interested, bro. Like, like you know, it's hard to, to say that about about certain teams or certain or players because, you know, you get excited to play every game. But I could just tell that Louisiana Tech was expecting to shoot and dunk and swat everything UTEP brought in there, and that was not the case. The Miners brought them a game, and, and that is kind of where you saw – 
what a healthy Matt Wilms can do. And that's going to be huge. Matt Wilms can kind of cancel out somebody down low, whether it's uh, Josiah White, I think, is the other the big man's name, the shot blocker. Yeah, you know, that's right. They also, too, they're going to have to take out Eric McCree again. And that's kind of been something that UTEP hadn't, hasn't done well. But you shut down the guy that's kind of in the same mold and Reggie Upshaw, no points. You kind of make, uh, you know, uh, Ha Ha Lee kind of disappear at times on Thursday. Those are things that at home, if UTEP can do that, they're going to have an opportunity against Louisiana Tech. But what's Louisiana Tech's MO? If Daquan Bracey is able to – that Daquan Bracey-Dominic Artist matchup is going to be sexy as hell. And I think that oh, yeah, matchup dude. is really going to kind of dictate, the, dictate which team can control the game or which team can be able to take – that next step down the stretch. And that is, this Louisiana Tech-UTEP game right behind that old Dominion game is definitely going to be interesting. And I think – I don't know if the Miners are going to have to hit shots. That's what I'm trying to say. The Miners are going to have to knock down three. It's going to have to be Flagger. Omega's going to have to knock a couple. And Artist doesn't take that many. But the, the, the quality threes that he takes, he's going to have to hit it because I feel this is a game that Louisiana Tech – could be able to kind of break UTEP's defensive mold and get into the 60s and the 70s before the minors. They're going to have to be able to hang on in that mold as well. So definitely a game I'm fired up for a chance to a chance to really just continue shocking the world for the minors and they're playing with all <laughs> momentum right now. Uh, you know, in the sense other games, North Texas, Florida Atlantic, and eh, give me the Owls. Rice and FIU, I kind of want to put Rice a little bit on a little upset watch, if you will. FIU kind of has those games where, you know, you don't know what to expect from them and they hang. That's, that's an earlier game, uh, 6 o'clock Central on Thursday. Um, and then moving on, to, or then also, too, they can't forget UTSA and Southern Miss. UTSA can get them a much-needed win to get back up above 500. But moving along to Saturday, anything kind of jump out at you? Uh, obviously, Old Dominion and UAB is definitely the game of the night. Yeah, I would say uh, for sure, and and that's going to be a low-scoring game right there. I mean, this is going to be one where yeah. um, I think whoever gets to 55 is going to win, and I'm, I'm excited for that game. I just don't see UAB losing at home during these two, two, this two-game stretch. These are two teams that I feel like we match up with in different ways in a good way. Um, I feel like we match up well against uh, Old Dominion in, in, in the front court, and I, and I think we match up well against Charlotte to, to run off their guards off the three-point line. I just I don't know. Something there was some voodoo out in Texas, and I feel like this is a good opportunity to uh, for us to right the ship. And those are two good teams to do it to. I mean, I like I like the way we match up against both. But um, other than that, I would say I'm. I don't think Middle's going to have an issue with Charlotte if we if we can beat Charlotte, nah. which I think we will. I don't think they will. But um, what about the uh, Marshall oh, Western Kentucky game? Look, looking at this Marshall Western Kentucky game, is it? it for Marshall, is this an important game just to kind of get their head up in a sense? You know what I mean? Just, just that confidence back. And Western Kentucky's been tough at home. They defend well at home. You know, they're hit and miss of their offense. But is this kind of a get-right game for Marshall? They do have a tough stretch, but to get their just, – just get their head up and, and, and smile a little bit. Yeah, they could really, really use a road win. It's, I mean, I'm not going to say they're due for one. But they haven't had any road wins since the first road trip when they went to the two Florida teams. And, that's, and they played some really good basketball then. They held both those teams mm-hmm. under 75 points when they were on the road. And this, Western's just, it's just beatable. But Western's kind of on a little run as well. They've, got, they've won uh, three in a row, I believe. But, but Marshall beat them at, at, in Huntington a couple weeks ago and you know, put, you know, put up their usual 90-plus points at home, except when UTEP comes to town. But uh, – I think I think you're going to see a really really hungry Marshall team, 
But I also think you're going to see a very confident Western team who's going to be at home and has, has seen some success of late. I think that's, that one's going to come right down to the wire. I think it's, I mean, that's a 50-50 pick right there. But I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend, Conference USA-wise, obviously. Your TV <laughs> viewing. <laughs> Thursday, like I mentioned, Middle Tennessee, Old Dominion's on BN. Uh, you can stream on Saturday. You can stream Middle Tennessee and Charlotte on Campus Insiders on Twitter. And then UAB, Old Dominion, the game I will DVR on American Sports Network. And then UTEP, Southern Miss to round out Saturday. That could be a toss-up. I think it's going to really dictate how much energy UTEP either expand or has positive energy carrying over to be able to, you know, take care of business against Southern Miss. And Bach plays UTEP well. I don't expect UTEP to really double-digit them, as most would expect, especially if UTEP wins on Thursday. But, you know, this is just another weekend to just continue to prove that UTEP is improving, and they've done it against the two top teams, in my opinion, last weekend. And now, you know, you're playing, you know, what, another – the third of the fourth, you know, in Louisiana Tech on Thursday and Southern Miss. So definitely something to keep an eye out as crazy to say it, but the red-hot UTEP mine is surging up in the standings. Who would have thought that just a couple of weeks man, ago? Man, the pep man. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a t- totally different guy right now, man. I'd love to yeah, have people right? go back and listen to you, like, mid-December. <laughs> You were like, whatever, dude. Like, basketball sucks. We're burning down the dime. You're like, it's, it's done, dog. <laughs> dude, you, dude, you're Don't a lot more fun to listen recruiting. to when you're hot. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> I even wrote – I've been writing get, uh, weekly articles again. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Let's, what I'd like to see here, I'd like to see uh, uh, UTEP and UAB both, you know, clean the slate up this week, and we'll come back next Monday hot with it. We'll get, we'll get somebody in here. We'll get a guest and mix it back up as we get closer to March. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. We are definitely in the home stretch. Most teams either at the halfway point or at the 10-game mark of the season. So we're definitely going to have an interesting race to follow over the next couple of weeks. Once again, I'm Alex Nicholas over at MinorRush.com. You can check us out. We're part of the SB Nation Network. Dave is over there at, at the Daily Dragon, DailyDragon.com for all your UAB needs. That's where we both cover Conference USA to the T. So for the 10th episode of the CUSA Hoopcast, me and Dave, we out of here. Peace.